Hi, I'm Martin Garrow, and this is GateWorld.net, your complete guide to Stargate. For GateWorld.net, I'm David Reed, and I'm here with one of our buddies, Mr. Martin Giro, writer, Stargate Atlantis, and one episode of SG-1 from Season 9. Martin, good to be with you again. Thank you. Good to be here in my <laughs> office. It's always a treat. Season 3 of Atlantis, we are into, they're shooting Episode 4 downstairs. Uh, that's correct. Yes, they are shooting Episode yeah. 4. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite episode so far from the new season? Maybe not. It's Maybe it hasn't been shot uh, season yet. Season 3, my favorite episode, uh, has not been shot yet. Uh, it was. Uh, it's an episode called McKay and Mrs. Miller. It's an episode that I've been wanting to do for about a year now and just haven't found the right door. Uh, it kind of came out of the fact that I, I was back uh, in Toronto last summer and uh, uh, I saw a play. Uh, I'm very cultural. I go out to the theater, the legitimate theater, quite often. And uh, <laughs> I saw a play starring uh, David Hewlett's sister, Kate Hewlett, and uh, she was spectacular. She's a, she's a phenomenal actress and had a lot of, uh, dare I say, Hewlettisms about her. So uh, those guys... Uh, and they have a great chemistry just in real life, and as you as you probably already know, uh, probably more than me, they um, they just uh, finished uh, doing a movie together. And so, uh, uh, but after I saw the play this summer, I said, David, I got to do an episode with uh, about your sister. And it's funny because um, McKay has one. McKay has one. Well, when I wrote Hot Zone. Uh, and McKay was about to die, I wrote kind of this monologue where it's like, I, I've got, originally I wrote, I was like, I've got this brother somewhere, and uh, I kind of lost track with him, could you tell him what happened to me, and that, you know, and uh, David said, listen, can I change this from brother to sister, because I actually have a sister who's an actress, so maybe one day, and I was like, sure, 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 we can change it to sister, we're never going to cast your sister though, David, and then she was so great in the play, I came back and I was like, oh, that could be really interesting, so it, it, it's kind of a, a, a neat story about um, siblings essentially I have a brother and two sisters and uh, uh, you know it's less troubled than, than McKay's uh, relationship with his sister but I think there's kind of something universal it's, it's kind of about family and mm-hmm. pride and mm-hmm. and uh, all that anyway I really really it's a quite a funny episode and it's got this amazing right turn that we're going to try to keep secret but God, God knows I'm sure you guys will uh, tell the whole world before we even start shooting. Aww. And uh, more credit than that. And uh, 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 there's this great kind of turn that uh, I think it, it, it feels like one type of episode, and then you know moves into another type of episode. And it, but it all is kind of very organic. And I'm just uh, it was the, the one of the hardest rap episodes I've had to write just because of that. It was uh, usually I'm I, uh, uh, because I, I write fairly quickly. It's it's uh, episodes are under like I, I'm. I'm like at 45 pages. And I was like, oh crap! How am I gonna fill the next five pages of just stuff? And I have to go back. This one, mm-hmm. I was like, this was like a 65-page first draft, and I had to like condense down and condense down. And that's always the best. It's always better to have more than less. Uh, so this this one was a real treat to write, and uh, although hard, I think turned out pretty well. Okay. Now, how does this work? Does McKay's sister have security clearance, or is do you have? You'll have to see. You're have to, you're gonna make up your own way to pull her into the scene. Yeah. Yeah, okay. she's equally brilliant. Let me put it that way. But uh, <laughs> she uh, she has kind of left the physics game to. Uh, she got pregnant basically when she was in university, and uh, decided that uh, being a mother was mm. really, really important to her. So she kind of put that part of her life on hold, and it's about kind of 
you know, McKay kind of never forgave her for that because he kind of felt that she was potentially more brilliant than, than even he was, you know, <laughs> no, in his quiet like moments. And so, you know, it feels like uh, the contribution she could have made to humanity far outweighs, you know, going home and raising a kid. And so it, it's kind of... Uh, it's kind of those two schools of thought kind of meeting and it's it's about compromise it's about kind of accepting who your brother or sister is and um trying to find some middle ground with them and you know it's pretty clear that Hewlett and McKay are your favorite actors and characters to yeah, delve I think into it is and write with pretty clear um <laughs> is that is that what you were hoping to achieve with writing this script in terms of McKay's advancement as a character, did you want... Well, this is kind of the the third in, I guess, a trilogy of McKay-centric episodes that I, I've written, and um, although I'm gearing up to write a fourth one, so it kind of wrecks the whole trilogy <laughs> one. The first one was Duet, of course, uh, which was my first kind of wall-to-wall McKay episode, uh, and then Grace Under Pressure, which was... I think in a weird way my favorite episode last year. Um, Wide open fields. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, it's tough. Like, those two are such a tough... I just watched both of them. Where A friend of mine was in town, and he hadn't really seen any of my Stargates, and I showed him both of those. And uh, it's weird. Like, I, a duet kind of has a warm and fuzzy place with me, but I think Grace Under Pressure is actually a better episode in a weird way. So I, I, I don't know. It's. Uh, Why do you think Grace is better? Under Pressure? <laughs> um, it's like... Uh, it's a better Stargate. Like, it, it feels more like a really good episode of Stargate as opposed to a, a different feeling episode of Stargate. You know, like, uh, um, I really like Duet. I mean, I feel like... I'm not saying Duet doesn't feel like a Stargate episode, but it, it feels like... Uh, uh, it's got a texture to it that, that isn't somewhere where we usually go. Whereas, kind of, uh, Grace Under Pressure preserves kind of the texture of a regular Stargate episode, and is just just happens to be really good as well. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if that makes any sense, but no, it does. Yeah. It does. <laughs> Plus, that one was just really hard. Like Duet was kind of fun and easy, and Duet was kind of like a, a breath of fresh air for me. Like after writing, kind of I guess six the first year, it was it was the first episode where I really felt like. Um, I got to showcase more of my my voice in 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 McKay a little bit more, or or not necessarily my voice, but I just like I I, I like to have fun. My episodes are I tried, you know I I really enjoy writing the kind of the season premieres and the season finales and stuff like that. But they're those are very different types of episodes to write. It's a different kind of skill set. Those are really it's all about logistics and you kind of pepper in the fun, you know, but kind of trying to keep those 11 balls in the air is the most amount of effort. Whereas duet structurally is, is actually pretty simple. And it's all about, you know, I was usually in a Stargate script, like a long scene is like two and a half pages. There are scenes in duet and in Grace under pressure that are like four or five, five and a half pages. So it's like they're, they're you know, obviously like moving the story forward is not the main goal of, kind of a duet or grace under pressure it's all about kind of you know those those little character moments and those are just a, a ton of fun for me to write your episodes are definitely certain are definitely fan favorites among a lot of well them. i don't know about that uh, yeah from from what we've been looking at everyone's uh, shouting them out how do you feel about the fan response for your episodes from what you've read. Well, if they like it, I'm, uh, I feel like it is positive. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know. I, uh, you know, the, what the fans think is, is, is very important, but um, I don't pay a lot of attention to it when they don't like an episode, and I don't, so I conversely... Even if it's, even if it's constructive? 
Um, well, let me give you an example. A lot of people didn't like Grace Under Pressure, and uh, and a lot of people are also sick of McKay episodes, right? And and feel that there are other characters that could use the screen time and need developing. And I don't disagree with that. And so, but you know, you have to kind of meter out whether how people approach an episode. You know, like if you're a big McKay fan, you're going to like my episodes. Or, you know, you're going to like those episodes that I've written about McKay. And if you don't like McKay, then that episode, regardless of how good it is, is going to have to struggle, you know, quite a lot for you to like it. You know, television is really all about uh, uh, the characters, you know. Uh, it, I mean, story to a certain extent, but it, it, it really is about characters. And I think more so than most shows, Fans feel kind of a great ownership over the characters of this series, and I think that that's a wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. But it also kind of gives them a bias towards episodes. So when a fan, you know, responds <coughs> negatively to an episode that I've I've written, you always kind of have to meter it out with where they're coming from. So I I I, I take neither personally, you know, like um, and at the end of the day, uh, it it uh, I still. Most, you know, the, the only thing that really concerns me is the episode I'm working on at mm -hmm. the moment. You know, like, right. uh, I, I mean, I don't, I don't feel like I've had any flat-out failures episode. I don't feel like there have been episodes where people are like, oh, this is terrible. But there have been, you know, like, everyone seemed to really like Duet. And, uh, you know, some people really didn't like Lost Boys, for instance. And so it's like, and I agree with both of them as to why they don't like or do like episodes. But, you know, like, at the end of the day... You know, my job is to uh, uh, impress uh, Mr. Brad Wright, and uh, <laughs> as long as Mr. Brad Wright is happy with the work that I am doing, and uh, we don't feel that we are losing people over the episodes that I'm writing, then, I, you know. One of the interesting things to me is you, you say that you really enjoy doing the finales and the opening mm -hmm. uh, shows. How much of that is not your own in terms of okay, Martin, let's sit down here. These are the plot points that must be executed mm -hmm. for the overall arc of the season, for the overall arc of the well, show. Well, you know, like, um, there are some episodes where, I, you know, you kind of feel guilty that yours is the only name on the, on the script, and those are definitely, the t you know, those types of episodes. With season finales and season premieres especially, uh, there's not a writer you know, on staff that wasn't in the room when we were discussing the minutia of every beat. You know, I sit down and go write the dialogue, and then, you know, Brad does his polish, and, and we put it out. Mm -hmm. But um, those episodes are team episodes. But you know what? It, uh, it, to be fair, every episode is our team episodes here. Like, no, no, no episode gets written in a vacuum. Every... You know, sometimes, sometimes even the episodes that we don't bore together, uh, those episodes go through a you know pretty extensive vetting process. Everyone gives notes on you know all three drafts of the script as well as well as you know potentially three drafts of an outline, and so everyone you know everyone gets their stamp on it, and it, it's it is kind of a team effort, like you know. Uh, and it's fun that way too, because like when you suggest a joke, like I, you know, I, you know, I suggested uh, 
a, you know, a joke here, a joke there, and then when it actually makes the screen and it's like it's a big laugh, and it's it's a point of animosity for all of us too because usually the biggest jokes in each of our scripts is uh, somebody else's idea, and people will come up to you and be like, my favorite line is, uh, and you're like, oh, actually, yeah, yeah, uh, Brad gave me that line, or oh yeah, that was that was uh, Joe Malazzi's idea, yeah. So it's uh, it's kind of fun, and vice versa, I hope. So, uh, <laughs> but but. Uh, you know, it, it, writing on a TV show is is a, is a team process. Okay. And I mean, uh, you know, it's funny because the the 200th episode this year uh, of Stargate, we all we all wrote. Um, and so the the I mean, it, no, no, I would not. I would never. I would never. But uh, just the cover page here. I mean, it looks ridiculous. It's got everyone's uh, name on it, and uh, <laughs> and so it's like, um, you know, ideally they would all have this. To be honest. But um, uh, it's just crazy, and the contract that we had to, you know, sign to m m get this episode up and running is r ridiculous. So Rainmaker's going to have fun putting that one on the screen. Yeah, that'll be a fun <laughs> one to tile. <laughs> Gosh, what do you feel about the 200th episode in terms of uh, your involvement in it? Brad said that he had a really, what was it that he said? His was the most outlandish portion. Tell us about your portion. Uh, no. <laughs> okay. Well, not not in terms of story, but the, like the. Um... Yeah, I'm not going to say anything about the 200th episode. Okay. I really feel like the, the the least we say about this episode, the better it is. I mean, I think the the one thing that has gotten out is it is a fun kind of episode in the vein of a, a wormhole extreme, and that's really I think all that anybody needs to know. Okay. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. With the Wraith now fighting amongst themselves and Earth's battleships, how big of a threat are the Wraith in Season 3? I mean, we come into, <coughs> we swoop into battle, yeah. and they throw weapons at us, but our shields are fine. You know, and we can declaw them now with the Aratus retrovirus. How big of a threat right. are they? Well, it's an, interesting, uh, it's an interesting question, because something that we're doing this year is... Um, Kind of moving away from wraith-centered stories. Uh, uh, I mean, the wraith are a presence in the galaxy, undeniably. But you know, it's interesting. <clears throat> Season one, obviously, we were just trying to get our feet uh, uh, beneath us and trying to figure out what kind of stories and what kind of episodes we wanted to do. And season two, for me, for the most part, felt like bigger, better, more confident season one episodes. Season three feels like finally we're actually doing some really fresh and interesting stuff. And, and part of the way that we have been able to do that is move away from uh, Wraith stories and uh, introduce, doing, you know, we're doing much more kind of standalone uh, episodes as well as introducing a new major villain this year. Um, the hot zone villains. The hot zone villains, you know, and so uh, that's got a great kind of. I, I hesitate to call it a two-parter that Carl wrote, but there are two right. episodes that are back to back that you know kind of deal with this new villain, and the second one does it in a really awesome way with Weir. Uh, with Weir, and uh, so cool. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, to get you know to get back to the question though, I. Uh, the Wraith are always going to be... I mean, the Wraith overpowered the Ancients, and they did so because, you know... They're numbers. They're numbers. So if the Civil War, you know, thins out those numbers a little bit, 
then uh, we might have a chance. The other thing to consider, though, is, I mean, you know, they, they, they hibernate. So, I mean, it is possible that a number of them are waking up and then just going back to sleep. So, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. How much, how big of an importance will the Wraith Civil War play in Season 3? Is it going to be largely? Not very. Okay, it's going to be put in the back of their minds. Yeah. But it is going on. It is definitely going on. Okay. Yeah. I think out of, you know, like the first ten episodes, only, only, I mean, four seems like a lot, but let me put it this way. Of the first fifteen episodes, I think only four are, are Wraith stories. Really? Yeah. Even the, the two-parter doesn't deal with them. At least not directly. The mid-season two-parter uh -huh. does not have anything to do with the race. Yeah, okay. The, so the mid-season two-parter is actually awesome this year. I'm, <laughs> I'm really, year. I'm really, well, I, you know, <laughs> some people were hot and cold on last year's yeah. two-parter. Yeah. I, I share that feeling. Uh, I feel, you know, I feel like it was, you know, and I'm partially responsible. I don't, I don't feel like it, they were as good as our last, as a storm in the eye. And um, for for a number of reasons. Uh, this one is going to feel really neat. I mean, something happens in the, in Act One that I think will come as a as a so it it'll it feels very much like a serious finale. Let me put it that way. So it would like potentially change the direction somewhat of the show. Um, and its impact. Well, you know. Does anything ever change the direction of the show? <laughs> I oh. mean, the show kind of has a reset almost, you know, after every episode. And um, it's kind of by design. I mean, the show is, you know, uh, hopefully going to air in syndication someday and is meant to be, you know, on some level seen as single episodes and, and you know, without having to watch the season from beginning to end. So we're... we're we try not to serialize, you know, the show too much. I mean, we do because it's that's how you can tell more interesting stories. But uh, um, uh, no, it will not. At the end, I mean, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the two the two parter. I mean, things, you know, get back to normal, but in a in a in an incredibly interesting way. It, it is a phenomenally fun episode, and uh, if all goes well with it, with a guest star that I think people will lose their minds about it. Let me just put it that way. Has it already been cast? Yeah. Okay, good. Good. Will these... Will this become a continuing threat through the rest? Well, I mean, it, it'll have to do, obviously, with our new villains. Uh, okay. In, 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 to some degree. But, uh, in... You know, I'm know. saying I we can't. could like finish them off in that in that mid season. Oh no 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 no! The the, the hot zone villains are are going to be around for a while, okay. uh, much as the replicators were. I mean, the, they are essentially, you know the grand, you know, grandfathers of the replicators, basically, right? So, uh, they're not going, but they're, because of something that we've done, they're, they're not going to be able to, you know, be dealt with in the same way as we dealt with the replicators back on, uh, back in SG-1. Okay. Brand said that this was a very key villain right from the beginning that he's been planning on uh, introducing. How much input have you had on this creation? Um, you know, more... Mm, I'm here. I give notes <laughs> on scripts. People ask my opinions. I give them to them. Okay. I mean, uh, this is something that Brad has been planning for a long time. Um, uh, you know, when, when we were writing Hot Zone, it, it was it's a point of contention between a couple of the writers as to who 
came up with the retrovirus. So we decided to kind of just leave it vague at the end and, you know, decide at a later date. Well, we have decided. Okay, There's good. kind of a unity in the writers about uh, where to take it. And, and I was a little anxious, to be honest, that people would, uh, you know, especially the, the fans of the show and of SG-1, be like, replicators, you know? But uh, most of the reaction has been replicators, so that's uh, that's good. That's good. They are an awesome villain, and their their they their you know kind of unique powers lend for some really interesting s stories. So it it should be uh, it should be cool. It should be cool. Okay. I'm feeling good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's good enough for me. Um, the personal interactions with the uh, the main cast have been regrettably slim we've spent we've seen a lot of time with them on duty mm -hmm. we've never even seen the interior of Weir's quarters mm -hmm. that um, is fascinating well, that you said that yes. I just wrote a scene in Weir's quarters excellent <laughs> all right um will we be seeing more of the interpersonal absolutely i mean i think this year more the one of the the main things that one of the main goals for us was um more it's kind of gelling the team a little bit more, mm -hmm. seeing that kind of uh, off-duty um, interaction. Certainly the two-parter is going to deal with that heavily. And um, let me just skim over the episodes here. I mean, it, it, Satita is a big one uh, about that, mm -hmm. definitely. Directed by our very own Robert Cooper. Uh, Irresistible is kind of a fun episode. Probably they're shooting right now, yeah. Yeah, I mean... Um, and, uh, you know, Carl's working on a story right now that should air, I guess, nine, that is heavily about everyone's backstory. So uh, I think, uh, you know, we we hear people loud and clear that, that they want to know more about the characters and want to see the characters kind of interact in a, in a less formal way. And uh, we, uh, you know, share that feeling and, and are, are, you know, moving in that direction this year. Okay. Is there one story you've always wanted to tell in the Stargate universe, but for one reason or another you haven't been able to yet? Um, that you're that's in the popper right now. Yeah, I guess, I mean yes and no. I mean there's there's an episode that I, I want to do, but it's not really a Stargate episode. So I feel like it doesn't really like. I'd love to do an episode that has uh, no Jeopardy at all. That is just uh, like a, like a Sunday afternoon essentially, <laughs> kind of kind of speaking to like that off duty thing, and in vignettes about you know each character. Uh, in their off time, basically. Five kind of short films about yeah. each character. Um, but I'll probably never do it, to be honest. It's oh, uh, Pitch it. It sounds well, like it would be different. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I won't. That's probably probably won't do it. Brad's response is, so what is it about? No, I mean, no. I mean, <laughs> Brad, I mean, Brad, Brad is a, you know, Brad is more adventurous than anyone, uh, any of us with the types of stories that he, you know, wants to try and tell. It's just a question of, like, it, it's got to feel like a Stargate. It's got to have that kind of science fiction as we're a science fiction show, you know, and, uh, and the shows don't work without a certain amount of jeopardy, I think, and so, uh, so I don't know. It's on the shelf. Well, if you could somehow insert a little bit of jeopardy into it. I know. I'll figure it out someday. Are you writing any from SG-1 this year? Uh, no, aside from the 200, no. They have uh, more than enough brilliant writers uh, over on the SG-1 side, and uh, Carl, Brad, and I are kind of uh, tasked with filling out the Atlantis slate this year. Okay. Although we just hired a new guy named Ken Cooper, who's an uh, excellent guy. He's going to write uh, this first episode, Common Ground, that I think the fans are going to really like, with okay. uh, Shepard... Uh, 
the return of uh, Colia, possibly, and mm -hmm. uh, so it'll, it'll be neat. If we can get Robert Davi up here to do it. He'll come. <laughs> he wanted to come last time. He wanted to come for uh, coup d'etat, uh, and it was written for him, of course, but um, uh, it didn't... Uh, he was in the middle of uh, filming a, a movie that he had written, uh, was directing, and starring in. So, I mean, you know, the... Yeah. <laughs> Something it's, tells uh, <laughs> It's a heist film, I think, about, like, a doo-wop group. It's, it sounds very cool. I'm kind of excited to see it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Have you still not uh, seen the finish... Uh, you, you, you and I were talking online a few weeks ago about yeah. a dog's breakfast. Right. Um, David Hewlett's film. What, what are your thoughts? I have not. Uh, I'm sure it will be excellent. David Hewlett is a very good writer. That a lot, you know, a lot of people don't realize that he is a. Uh, I'm sure a steady-handed director. He had a fantastic crew. The dailies looked great. Uh, I'm, you know, I haven't seen a cut yet, but I, I, I hear it's. Uh, I hear it's awesome. going to be a great one. Yeah. What do you want to do to overall spread your wings this year as a writer? Uh, any any particular know. story that you're going to? I mean, obviously there are stuff in the drawing board right now. Right. Do you plan to think outside of your get outside of your box with any of your scripts? Well, I try year? to get out of, outside of my box, you know, with every script. You know, it, it's it's funny. Someone asked the other day if it if the you know, I think I've written like 17 at this point, uh, or six to 16 or 17 scripts, and. Um, for Stargate, and they, you know, does it get easier? And it's funny because the producing actually gets exponentially easier because you start to develop shorthand with the people you're working with, and you can begin to anticipate mm -hmm. beats. Well, where miscommunications are going to happen, mm -hmm. and you know, you you kind of get a sense for the machine. Mm -hmm. Whereas writing gets exponentially harder because even though the stories are new and the characters are ever-evolving, you get into situations where you're like, oh, man, I've written this scene four, four times already. You know, like, um, there are some scenes that just keep popping up where you're like, oh, yeah, this one. And uh, so, I, I mean, it, it, and, you know, I only have so many clever quips uh, inside me. Uh, <laughs> I know that's hard for anyone to believe. But, um, you know, it's just like at a certain point, you're like, oh, God, I don't know if I can write another Stargate episode. But, um but then you get past first act and you start to get excited about it again and it kind of just all opens up. So, I mean, every time you have to kind of take it a step farther, take your envelope out just a little bit larger and take the characters just a little bit deeper. And that's, I mean, that's the only way we know how to do it. It's the only way I know how to do it. Okay. And the years from now, after uh, season three is long finished, what do you want it to say to fans? To speak to fans? I would like seasons three to... Uh, say as clear as possible uh, please let there be a season four because <laughs> we uh, we've got a lot of stories to go and and uh, we're we're terribly excited I think it'll be interesting this year because it'll just it'll it, I mean this summer we're going back to just the gates on on Friday night you know Battlestar has been pushed to uh, October they're gonna run all 20 episodes which I think is really interesting and uh, and uh, I wish them all the best and um, uh, in a way, it's too bad. I think you know, Sci-Fi Fridays is kind of an exciting thing for science fiction fans. But you know, uh, what's great is Sci-Fi is becoming a bigger and bigger network with more and more original programming, and so they, it, you know, it's it's they have too much programming to just put on one night now. So uh, it's uh, it's great. I think this is kind of a make-or-break year for Atlantis. To be honest, I think season three will, you know. 
uh, not only for business reasons, but um, just store reasons. This is the year that I think people, first year, you know, you get almost a free pass. Second mm -hmm. year, I think we were able to hold on to the majority of our audience. But if we don't do something really interesting and unique this year, I think we're going to lose people. And uh, that would be a real shame. So uh, our job is to hold on to the audience we have and uh, grow them. And the only way that we can do that is great stories and great characters. And that's what we hope to do. What do you want to say to uh, all the fans who are listening to you right now who are fans of your work, ourselves, a lot of people? I guess thanks. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> uh, that's kind of a strange question. It's funny, you know, I was writing. It, it never really hit me that people actually watch these uh, episodes. Uh, uh, you know, it's kind of, it, I, I know that sounds really bizarre, but it's like, you know, it's just so much work to do them, and it just feels like you're doing it to do it, and you don't, you know, we get the numbers back every week, and so you're like, oh, this many people, this million, many millions, why? but it, it's hard to, like, actually um, uh, picture two and a half million people sitting down to watch something that, you know, we've put together, and I, I almost can't think about it, to be honest. It would, I think, be terrifying. So uh, I thank them for liking my work and uh you know i try to think of them as least as possible <laughs> in the warmest warmest sort of way <laughs>